Okay, y'all. It is October, and October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. This month gets really, really busy and actually heavy for me. Professionally speaking, I get asked to do a lot of talking, a lot of training, a lot of advocacy work, which I love. But personally, for me, it gets really, really heavy because this does trigger some old memories, some old emotions. And I will say I have been really honest and transparent with a lot of you. You all know that I've had a couple of bouts with domestic violence and that actually the first one was what sparked my interest into MMA, therefore leading into this long journey of professional fighting and up to my brown belt in jiu-jitsu. With that being said, there are certain parts of my story that I have kept to myself and I did so unapologetically because I was still working through them, still navigating and trying to understand what it was doing for me in those moments and how it would impact my life. So today's conversation is really exciting because this is actually allowed for the opportunity to talk about some of the more nittier and grittier details of my story with domestic violence. And before I get into talking about who is coming on to the show, I want to say first and foremost that this episode is going to be dedicated to the advocates, the allies, and the supporters of those that have been abused. I know you all do not do what you do for the clout, for the likes, for the attention. You all do this from this space in your heart that is genuine and full of love and that you being there to support those going through these difficult times does not go unseen, and you are appreciated, and you are valued, and I want to thank you for everything that you do for your community, for your people, for your person, for that victim, for that survivor, and I thank you. So today's guest is really, really special to me. I mean, the most special to me, like besides my kids and besides my parents. I think that kind of gives it away a little bit. So today we get to actually talk with my husband for the first time. And I will say this, give him a little grace, and just be a little patient. I did my best to work with him in this conversation, but I want to preface this by saying that we do not have the perfect marriage, okay? We are not got this all figured out and we know exactly what we're doing. I mean, we're still a young couple and we're still figuring it out. We're navigating marriage and what it's all about and being parents at the same time. I mean, I I love our story. I love our journey. Um, But we, I definitely want to say that we're not like therapists. We're not certified in this area. We're just coming from a genuine place of our own personal experiences and our own perspectives on what has been going on um, with my journey with domestic violence and how it stemmed into the work that I do today and then how he approached all of that. So I think that was something that I wanted to talk about first. Uh, Secondly, um, because this was something we didn't get to talk about, is I do not want anyone thinking that your worth or your value lies in another person. I don't want you thinking that you have to find a partner, a significant other, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or anyone to make you feel like you can do this. 
a lot of the healing and the growth in these types of stories happen because of you. Happens because of your own mindset, your own heart set, and what you decided to do for yourself. I will say though that these traumas and negative stories can be a little bit more... I don't want to say easily, but a little bit more attainable to navigate when you have really, really good support. And so our hopes today with this conversation was that we could reach out to at least maybe one person who is still being victimized or might be a survivor, but is trying to figure out how do I find out who my supports are? How do I find out if they're really riding for me? And maybe like, how do I navigate if I have triggers that come up in the future? The other side of our hopes was maybe someone who is trying to deal with this, maybe with a loved one, maybe with a friend or a sibling. And they're thinking to themselves like, how do I help? What do I do? What can I do? We really hope that this conversation will reach at least one person who might be struggling with domestic violence or any type of abuse, verbal, mental, emotional, physical. We're hoping that maybe just hearing this conversation, you'll understand that there is hope because I myself being in that victim position felt like there was no point. There was no help. There was nothing that was going to fix what was going on. There was no even inkling in my mind that there was anything better for me. So I hope that this conversation brings light to other options. There's solutions. There's things that can be done. There are conversations that can be had to bring about the healing and growth to come out of these really, really dark situations. So, I mean, (laughs) without getting far too emotional right in the introduction to this podcast. I think we should just go ahead and get into it. I think y'all are going to want to hear this. So let's go. And when things are really tough and they're really rough and nothing's working, but there's something inside of you that says, I just have to follow that because you don't know who you're this is Cola Tower. Some people know me for my professional fight career in MMA or even my journey with jujitsu and pro grappling. Others know me for my advocacy for everything indigenous. And some know me for my unique ability of pissing people off while cultivating change at the same time. My goal is not to make everyone mad though. I want to spark your imagination through your heart and mind while encouraging, challenging, and even empowering you to think differently with compassion and love. I don't need a shit ton of followers or fans, only you, the listener, who's willing to challenge societal norms and standards to create a better world for all of us to thrive in. Let's go. Okay, I'm doing something new today. First time ever, I have a very, very special guest with me today. And with <laughs> with the month of October being Domestic Violence Awareness Month, I thought this topic and this conversation would actually be really, really interesting. And I'm having to face our guest today and kind of coax, kind of hold holding of the hand through this conversation. But... I think you all will be pleasantly surprised by this conversation. So I'm going to preface this with my own personal experiences with domestic violence and navigating relationships after that. And that's what the conversation is going to be today. 
The other thing I want to emphasize is that I have not prepared our guest for any of the questions. I have not given him a heads up. I have not given him anything. I haven't fed him like any of the the answers or what he should say. Uh, I very just bluntly but very vaguely asked, hey, will you come on my podcast and talk with me about this topic that I feel like you have some knowledge and some experience with a little bit? I don't think he realizes the experience that he has with it. But as the conversation goes on, I think you guys will find this really interesting. So I'm going to let our guest go ahead and introduce himself. I'm so excited. Oh, all right. (laughs) Tell them your name. My name is uh, Tommy Thompson. Tommy Thompson. It's my husband. It's my baby cakes. This is really exciting. Do you know what we're going to talk about? Like, do you have a general idea? A general idea. What is that idea? Well, uh, domestic violence. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of uh, raising awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was like a an overall good idea. So yeah. tell tell our listeners what you do for a living, what your hobbies are. This is not like a, you're trying to mix and mingle here, so don't give give away too much. But All at right. least let let them know who you are and your experiences thus far. All right. Well, I'm a Native American. Mm-hmm. I uh, been working with the Umatilla Tribal. Police department. So you're the popo. The popo. I'm, I'm Mr. Five O mm-hmm. around here, <laughs> and uh, I'm part of the fishing game department of it. I love it. Uh, I'm going on four and a half years, I believe. And uh, my name's Tommy. Yay! See, that's not that hard to introduce yourself. So, yeah. um, just for professional reasons, we won't really get into anything on the work side of your life. This is really just going to be questions more of a conversation between you and I as husband and wife and people can experience this that way so I just want to say that as we're not going to cover anything like work related but so just right off the bat when you hear domestic violence like what do you think of um like a couple there we go as he knocks everything over in my office (laughs) a uh a couple uh intimate partners um, one side of the, uh, or it could be both, but typically maybe one side getting aggressive and it doesn't have to be physical, but that physical would be the, the main part of what somebody could generally, uh, view as domestic violence. Okay. That sounds very much... You guys are going to hear me get this transition and kind of pull. This is kind of how our conversations usually go. Trying to pull from this very logical, strategic point of view because he does come from law enforcement, but don't touch that. I'm trying to keep him focused. Don't touch that. (laughs) So have you, did you have any experiences before we met with domestic violence? No. None whatsoever? Hmm. Never saw it? No. No. Never experienced it. And this is actually a rare, a rare occurrence because unfortunately for the indigenous community, a lot of men are exposed to it at a very early age. So I think you kind of have this rare uh, background where you didn't see any of that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm fostered and I'm probably sure there might've been a little bit going on before I place with my foster parents mm-hmm. but 
So you're no. talking about fostering. You actually had been... It's possible. Removed from your home, so people mm -hmm. understand this, is that you've actually mm -hmm. been removed from your home and placed with family members, and that's who you were raised by. Yeah. So, again, there's that experience with just a lot of the issues that Indigenous people are facing today, which is these traumatic experiences that our children go through being taken away from parents, obviously for safety reasons. I think you can attest mm -hmm. to that. It was for your safety and for your well-being, and you are put with very good parents who raised you um, the best that they could and oh, yeah. brought you up in this amazing way to become the man that you are. But I think something that I know that I've expressed how proud I am of this with your background, and I know other people have heard me express this, is that given your background, your childhood, and how you came up, for you to have reached this point in your life. And I think what's going to be really important, especially with the the foundation that's being laid with this new season in this podcast, the I Am podcast, is reaffirming, affirming and manifesting just the type of people we are, what we want to be. So I think it's really important that you speak as to your your position now, like your stance, like where you're at in life. One, you're, you're working this job that you've mm -hmm. dreamt about for a really long time. Yeah. But also there's a, another key point in your life that's been huge and what is that i got a family of my own you have a family of your own mm -hmm. and have you ever drank anything else no no you've been sober no. your entire life mm -hmm. you've never experienced a drop of alcohol never been yeah. inebriated at that point mm -hmm. so in that in itself is huge because there are a lot of Native American men who have been either removed from their homes or been through traumatic experiences that fall really hard into addiction. Mm. And that's something you're able to speak to is that or you haven't. Find something to to vent to, and even if they're not outwardly venting to the alcohol, they're doing it mm -hmm. by that. But the way that you've channeled a lot of these sort of traumatic experiences have been in a healthy way. Mm. I mean, what, what's one of your biggest hobbies? I love hunting. Yeah. I love working out. Yeah. And wh where did those come from? Growing up. Mm-hmm. And kind of been, fell in love with it in that way. And... and it's built this foundation for the man that you are today. So I think that's mm. really important for other people because you're... Honestly, you're not the only one. You're not the only indigenous man that has had to suppress a lot of these feelings. And there, do you feel any sort of like slight, almost like guilt? Like you're trying to hold back, like you don't want to brag? Yeah, to a point. Um, I've, I've gotten the, well, you think you're better than me kind of attitude from some people. And I definitely don't feel that way. And I, I don't like bragging. And I don't like gloating but that's how I like to carry myself and I could definitely say and I know other people can say that you're probably the most humble person that I have ever met and I think I've probably personally witnessed when people will do the you think you're better than me kind of attitude mm -hmm. and honestly I think that comes from a place that when people are so close to you it's really hard for them to see your true greatness because they only see you through their their own perspective and their own lens. And mm -hmm. so when you do want to feel good about yourself, it gets really hard because those kind of people want to throw negativity your way mm -hmm. and try to kind of diminish 
the light that you carry. And that's got to be a little frustrating sometimes. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I don't really, I don't really address any of it. I shrug it off. Not a whole lot of things bother me. I feel like if, and this is where I feel like I'm gloating, if it might've been probably somebody else and they're having all these people breathing down their neck and you think you're better than me, yada, 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 and they'll probably get turned to anger or something and eventually they're like you know what the heck with this and find an outlet i will say you are very good about holding your composure which just gonna touch on it which i think really helps with your career in law enforcement because Mm. you hold it together very very well whereas the rest of us weird human beings if we had somebody up in our face like throwing their two cents at us like we'd probably freak out but you hold it very very well so we're going to go ahead and move into the topic that we're going to talk about today. And I, I think that the questions might surprise you a little bit because I don't think that you were had any idea really where this conversation was going to go. No. So you you know my history, obviously, with domestic violence. What What oh, is yeah. your understanding of that history? Um, Pretty much that you were in bad relationships and were taken advantage of. And uh, I don't know. That. How does that make you? How does that strike you? Well, definitely makes me feel for you. Because um, being with you right now, I don't know why anybody would want to do anything to hurt you oh <laughs> all right stop <laughs> that makes me feel good but in all honesty for the listeners that don't know is that i have had a couple of experience with domestic violence and one of them a lot of people know of and that was what had really started my career with mma i took it as a form of self-defense to take care of myself i made a promise i wouldn't let anyone else hurt me like that and i want to make sure i could take care of my son at the time and uh Unfortunately, I ran into another situation. I've been married before and went through the situation all over again. And I will say, luckily, it wasn't as bad. But I mean, with our knowledge and experiences with domestic violence up to this point, I really am under the impression that usually when domestic violence starts, it only escalates. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. Because it can start out with verbal. Mm-hmm arguments it can start out with verbal assaults and then it can quickly escalate to physical which it had gotten to that point yeah and i can definitely say that it was quickly escalating uh do you remember any of the kind of the instances i don't i don't want to go into too much detail on those specific occurrences that we had experienced together when we had first met but From your perspective, because I think this topic is talked a lot about from the female perspective, from women, either people who have been victimized before, survivors, or women that have a very strong opinion as to how situations should be handled. What I think that this conversation is going to provide is this unique conversation that we don't get to have too often is hearing from the male perspective looking into this. So... 
looking back now, how do you think it maybe affected just like your, your perspective on domestic violence or kind of like how you're approaching a new relationship, kind of knowing the history? Um, I'm confused of, of what you want me to. I'm meaning like if you know of someone and this could mm. be anyone could be in this situation right now. Mm. Anybody can be in this situation where they, they know that the person has some history with domestic violence. Did you feel any sort of like reluctance stepping into a new relationship with somebody that's had that kind of history before? And given oh, that no. you've you've never had that history? Oh, no, no reluctance whatsoever. No, no. Well, that makes me feel good. I'm just wondering what it seems like. Like I said, um. I told the listeners before is I didn't plan any of these questions for you. I didn't give you a heads up as to what I was going to ask. I really wanted the genuine, authentic, organic conversation around this. So. Yeah. Um, I guess hearing about it, it, it didn't bother me. It didn't like sway me away from wanting to get to know you more. Um, it's one of those things where like you don't you don't know what to expect it's kind of unpredictable yeah and back then everything was new to me and i'm sure you can agree with that very very new but what i'm hoping very green what i'm hoping for anyone that might be in this situation where they're especially during this month i don't think it's so much I don't want to re-trigger old memories for anyone that's mm -hmm. trying to heal from old trauma, but I yeah. definitely want to have the conversation for people who are like, I've never had experience with this. I've never seen it. I've never witnessed. I've never abused anyone, but my friend who's been abused, I need to know how to either have conversations with them or even how I should work through it with them or if anyone is thinking, oh, I'm, I want to, I have this new guy that I'm dating and he may have been abused in a past relationship and how, what's going to be the best way for me to approach that. So I guess that's kind of what I'm getting around to is in that experience and knowing, okay, Cola is a fighter and I've heard that she's kind of gone through this really messy situation. Um, did that kind of give you any sort of kind of you know, introduction as to how you were going to approach even me as a friend in conversations. Um, well, looking back at it now, I think I could have been a bit more, uh, I don't know how to say it, like supportive and understanding of it. I guess back then when you were telling me about it, it was kind of like, oh, dang, like that sucks. But I've, I've never been on either side of it. So just hearing about it, I, I never knew the significance of it. So. And how strong of an impact it could have on people's mm -hmm. perception of relationships. Yeah. What I think was really powerful was you listened. And I think that's mm -hmm. important for survivors or people who are still trying to process it is we do want to come out on the other side as like a normal person. Yeah. If we've gone through the abuse, we've kind of said, 
I'm done. I'm giving up. I don't want to do this anymore. And that was what happened in my situation. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, here comes Tommy Thompson. And I'm like, oh, man, gosh, dang it. I want to talk to him. And I was scared because I didn't know if I was going to project my past feelings that I have about men and abuse and bring them on you. And I did my best to try to navigate that. But I had to be really honest with myself. And I had a lot of support. I had my parents. I had a lot of close friends who I was able to talk to about what was going on personally so that I didn't throw it at you. And I think that's really hard for a lot of survivors is trying to compartmentalize between old trauma and finding this new path for growth. But the other thing, and this was really cool because when I went to the turnip conference um, a few weeks ago, there was a lot of other women who have experienced the same thing, but they are coming from a place like, I love myself. I have all this confidence. I'm coming into this new space. And if I'm going to come into a relationship, I want to make sure it's going to be the right guy for me. It's going to be the best thing ever. And he's going to respect my greatness, all that other stuff. But um, what I was able to have a conversation with my friend Lolita about was the fact that you came into the relationship knowing my history. Yeah. But you are a man's man. And if there's anyone else that's listening, right. like, no, I'm a man's man. Like, I like guns. I like hunting. I like being the man. I like lifting. I like doing all these sorts of things, which is cool. But mm-hmm. your approach to it was very different. It was gentle yet stern, mm-hmm. which is what I really appreciated because that's what I was needing was structure. I was needing someone to be able to still speak their mind without being abrasive about it considering the things that I was still trying to work through which is probably what really laid that foundation of trust because again we're talking about people that have been abused there's that lack of trust yeah so you're not going to want to listen to anyone except for yourself or your gut instinct and basically you're wanting to say like screw the world nobody nobody knows me nobody understands what I'm going through but the way that you were able to approach that was really really smart and it was safe in a way. So I guess my point to that is if there are other people out there, a guy, girl, two spirit, whoever it may be, that when you understand that a person's coming from a background where abuse has occurred, what would you say is the best way to kind of go into that now? Hindsight being 2020, what, what is, what is the best way for them to approach new, even friendships or relationships? Um, well, definitely be an ear and, uh, oh man, kind of, uh, going into an area where I guess the biggest part would be supportive and being an ear and kind of Okay, was it from the point of view of like a new relationship or Or even friendships? I think we have a lot of people who are even still trying to navigate how they're going to approach family that have been through this. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I mean, right here, this is a a perfect example is... Well, definitely being open to uncharted topics and 
and I'm trying to figure out something for anybody listening that you you know my support and my uh, my view on it. You're you're proving the point without even thinking that you're proving the point, which yeah. is you're saying be an ear and be support. I think all too often there's a lot of a lot of advocates that have like their hearts in a good place, but they're too kind of pushy, kind of pointer, pointing the finger, pointing the finger like this is what you should do, this is what mm-hmm. you need to do, this is what you have to do, or this is what you shouldn't do. Yeah, that's probably the hardest mm-hmm. part is hearing what you shouldn't be doing or can't do or aren't going to do anymore, but. You're you're proving your own point by saying just be a support and listen. Mm-hmm. And I can see like the the thinking like you're yeah. in your own head like I thinking always, like what else should I say? I but think yeah, but that's it though is being observant and being a good listener is probably the the key to helping any victim or survivor heal and grow. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, for me, that's probably where a lot of my healing and growth happened was, oh my gosh, I just met someone that isn't going to judge me for my past. He's not going to ask me like, well, what did you do? And I think that's what happens all too often is the victim blaming like, okay, if that, if you've been through this two times now, like, what are you doing? And -hmm. you didn't do that at all. You listened, you listened when I would have maybe like certain situations where I got pissed off all over again, like, dang, why did that happen? Or why did I let that happen? And you didn't force an answer on me. You didn't force a solution on me force you to tell you how you should feel mm-hmm. and that's super important and you know being a woman and i mean for just personal like experiences and just for the the, the storyline of this is being a straight woman and dating men who were really overly aggressive and abusive in that way to have found someone who was able to still be so strong and so sure of himself, but in such a gentle way was really, really key and important. But I think as a, as a survivor, something that Lolita and I talked about again was patience. Patience is what it takes. And for me, that's what it felt like. I was really like sitting and waiting, like, how is this going to work out? I don't know what it looked like to you. If I looked like I was being patient, I might not have been. But patience is huge for these victims that we're talking about. Yeah. But given your limited experience, and I'm going to be really, I'm going to tread very carefully here how I word this question, because again, I wanted to say, like, I don't want to make this about your job or what it is that you do. Mm-hmm. But let's just make it an overall general general overview here. So given your, your very limited experience or uh, exposure to domestic violence and then coming into a relationship with someone who has survived it two times, do you think this has helped how you interact with other people? Kind of just how you approach them in whatever situation it may be? Oh, yeah. And I feel like I got better at it over time the uh being as uh new at everything as i was when we when we got together i never saw any of that so i never really understood you know why something like that would happen 
and how it would affect anybody afterwards. But I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> it was sounding really good. Yeah. I mean, you were on, I was like, whoa, it's about to spit some truth here. Yeah. I have to tell the listeners, you were trying really hard not to like just start spitting into the microphone and start rapping because you started feeling like Eminem, you were like ready to go off. But I knew as soon as I hit record, it was going to be a, yeah. okay, calm down. He uses his Batman voice. <laughs> so? <laughs> but getting back to just... As a, as a tribal member, as a community member, as a, a native man in the indigenous community, now that you're kind of branching out a little bit more, not even just professionally, but as a human being, when you're approaching people, I think this coming from this perception of just listen and observe mm-hmm. yeah. is something that key. I mean, there's so many of us here that could talk people's ears off that we could sit here and say what we think or how mm-hmm. we feel or what people should be doing or not be doing. There's there's plenty of us doing that. Yeah. So it's always really interesting to hear the type B personality people that are just a little bit more laid back, a little bit more chill. And I think that's what helps make this world go round is people like you that are willing to just sit and say, hey, I'm just, I'm here. Yeah. I feel like there's times where I can or it should be a little bit more than a a uh, shoulder to to lean on. I feel like there comes to a point where my me leaning to my ears and being an ear way too much and way too often could probably come off a little bit as like, well, do you even care? You know, you're hardly even saying anything. Which it's not. Yeah. I mean, it's just because this is what your go-to is just to sit and observe and listen to people. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't think anyone probably sees that as like a, he doesn't care. I think it's just a, people like me, type A personalities, mm-hmm. we, we also observe, we're just a little bit more vocal about it. And it's more like, we could see wheels turning. We could see people when they're thinking. Mm-hmm. It, it creeps us out and we're scared. We're like, that's weird. Cause we don't do that. We yeah. we're very much like, okay, I'm going to tell you all the thoughts that's going on in my head and I'm going to let you know everything in the moment. Mm-hmm. So when we see people that are able to sit with it, we're like, that's so weird. Like, why are you doing that? Yeah, poker face guy. Yeah. Like what do you got really got going on? Mm-hmm. But I think it's really important for people to hear that there are a lot of indigenous men out here that are doing really, really good. And that I'll be one of the first people to throw praise your guys's way because you guys won't do it. You guys are really, really humble and you guys will sit with it for a really long time. But I think it gives people hope to, to know that there are good men that are in positions where they should be. And I'm not just saying like law enforcement, yes, you're a cop, so you're in the best position, but you're, you're leading a community without even knowing that you're leading a community. I think it's it's safe to say that when people think of hunting or talk about hunting, they're pretty quick to think of you and not just because of your job. That was way before you started even working that job. But mm-hmm. also they see you as um, a leader in your family. Like you have three boys that you're raising and it gives people even more hope to realize, all right, our next generation is being brought up by strong men like this mm-hmm. that 
have come from some unfortunate background, like we talked about. You were you were in the system for a little bit, but luckily you were placed in a home where you were able to build up all these skills and learn all these things, and then now it's being applied into your adulthood, and it's really, really important for how you're interacting with people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think you realize the impact that your support, observance, and your good ear did. A lot of the work that I do today, I don't think could have been done without your support, without you saying it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's fine. I got us here. So you do what you need to do. So you're, I'm not saying like you're pushing me out the door, like go compete all over the world and go do all these things, but you're, you're willing to say, Hey, like that's what she's got to go do in order to keep her peace in order to keep her mind. Right. She's got to go roll. She's got to go, go train. She's got to do all these mm-hmm. things. And I think last year was really pivotal because, again, survivors and victims, we can very often be re-traumatized and re-triggered. And I think we felt Mm -hmm. that really hard last year. And 20... Like it takes quite a while to feel like you've moved on from something like that, but so quickly it can be triggered and put you right back to... And thrown right back. So mm-hmm. let me let me ask. Let, let's talk a little bit about that. How has that been for you? Because I, I've shared it with plenty of other people that for me it was triggering, like my PTSD when you would mm-hmm. walk into the house in your uniform. So what was that like for you as the other person on the other side of that? Um, kind of wanted to let you know that, like I'm a bad guy and that can be viewed in however many ways than for anybody to view anybody listening. But wanted to let you know that, you know, I'm here with you. And that was helpful for me because, again, it was you doing the the support and the observing and the listening when -hmm. I would tell you, like, I'm sitting there doing the dishes and turn around and you're walking in the kitchen and I see a uniform, which is one of my triggers for that. It's, I was literally, oh shit, you scared me. You fucking scared me. Don't do that. And I would like Mm -hmm. lash out. You would like, you would see it. You would see the anger. You would see like the fear for like a split second. Mm -hmm. But again, it was your approach of just like, don't say nothing. Don't make it worse. Yeah. Because what's going to happen if I make it worse? Yeah. I, there are times I could have bit my toe. But. I mean, we're, again, we're human. Like, not yeah. every single time, every approach is going to be perfect. Yeah. But I think you figured it out through trial and error, yeah, which one's going to be okay, and which think, one's not. Yeah. And those are probably different different topics. and. Uh, yeah. So the other interesting dynamic within our home is that I do a lot of advocacy work. I do a lot of what people call activism. Um but I advocate for everything indigenous and a lot of our issues stem down to like law enforcement stuff. So it's been Mm -hmm. really interesting because you work law enforcement and you have this job that you feel is your calling because you're protecting our treaty rights in order to be able to exercise hunting and Mm -hmm. our traditional ways. And so it's created a very interesting like foundation for our conversations when they get kind of heated and And being careful of how, be careful, like, how you word your support. Yeah. Which is really important. Yeah. Because you might mean 
something, but it can come off as something completely different to the one to the other other side. Which is, I think, common in relationships and marriages. Like we have yeah. to learn how to communicate with our partner effectively, mm-hmm. and to where it's not going to hurt each other's feelings because again we also have this very weird basis of sarcasm where we're able to say one thing and then sometimes one of us might be off and then it creates this whole different spiral of arguments and debates left and right because one of us was on it and the other one wasn't but when we're both on it then it's just a ridiculous shit show because then Mm -hmm. it we sound stupid after a while but um I think for the talks of um, re-triggering those trauma or PTSD for any of the other, our listeners that might be, you know, kind of still navigating, still working through that. Again, patience is key for us that are going through that. We have to give mm-hmm. ourselves grace. We have to be patient with ourselves. We're still trying to heal, but we have to be patient with the people that are supporting us. And I think that was something that was really hard for me when I was in the thick of it to understand was what my parents were trying to preach to me like, Cole, you just gotta like be patient. You just gotta stop trying to force everything, quit trying to rush through everything, just relax. And I think that's what I was trying to push along in my journey was, okay, I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna be okay. If I just go to this fight, if I just win this tournament, if I just go knock this girl out, I'm gonna feel so much better about myself. Everything's gonna be all right. We're looking for like the end point. But as someone that's been doing MMA for close to 12 years now, it's, there's still points that are gonna mm-hmm. be a trigger for me. And again, last summer was really, really hard for me in that, but it was having a solid support system. It was having the support that was going to be a good listener and someone that wasn't going to, wasn't going to shove what they think that I should be doing on me. So that's going to be really important for our listeners that are like, what am I supposed to do? Like how, like, how am I going to figure this out? Your support is probably going to be your biggest thing. And I think the hard part, though, is a lot of us feel like we don't have it anywhere. Yeah. And it's going to be really hard um, trying to navigate and search for the right supports that you need. But, I mean, that's kind of part of the healing journey, too, I think. And I think even outside of domestic violence, as human beings, it's hard for us. I think you can attest to that, trying to find people who are really in your corner. Yeah. And being patient with that. Well, people, a lot of people, uh, they have some kind of mask that they put on. How scary of a mask they put on could uh, eventually probably lead to some kind of form of domestic violence. And you got to kind of, I don't know, you don't want to be in. That's probably a little bit too harsh, but probably don't want to be in defense mode all the time because that could probably be a little bad for one's health, but definitely um, try your best to recognize it and do your best to avoid it. It's kind of just this whole journey of learning how to wade through the bullshit, Mm -hmm. basically, and trying to figure out who it is that you're going to be able to trust and who you're... Yeah gonna really be able to rely on as support yeah and that's that's difficult just human beings in general it's not even just people that are going through Mm -hmm. abuse right now i mean especially today coming off the the end of this pandemic era hopefully maybe trying to just figure out who you can fucking trust it's it's gotten hard for a lot of people yeah out there but 
One thing we know for certain that's concrete is that Tommy Thompson will always be up there in those mountains helping whoever he can. Yeah. <laughs> so. I'm hoping I can get up there as often as other people. On the other side of it, though, not even just work, like to. Yeah. I, I think that's something else that people don't realize is how difficult it is for those that are genuinely good cops, how hard it is to be able to still be there with your family, spend time with those that you love, and then do the things that you love to maintain your own mental health. Yeah. And, and I've, I've had my moments where I probably let myself go a little bit just because I'm just okay with going to work, coming home, being with my kiddos and my wife. Well, I know that the community really appreciates you, and I think you've heard it plenty of times that everybody's just like, they, they love yeah. seeing you there, and it's a good place for you to be. Um, but one, one final thought on that, that tidbit is on a scale of one to 10, one being, this is really, really hard. This is, this is shitty shit. And then 10 being like, Hey, I got this together. I'm good. How, how difficult has it been trying to maintain your own self, your own person in this, in this career that you've chosen? Um, I feel like I, my poker face is really solid. Mm -hmm. So I died about a seven. At a seven? Yeah, seven, eight. And probably the, uh, my love for what I do and, um, you know, being able to, probably have the opportunity to help somebody else that you know I live around is kind of motivating mm -hmm. I think it's and that that brings it up to from what it would be to seven or an eight yeah I mean who like is at a 10 in their job if, if, yeah. if there's one person out there that is literally at a 10 in their job like message me because that sounds ridiculous and I need to know what you're doing for a living because I, I think I want in on that but yeah. I mean well if you make a million bucks and you ain't <laughs> doing anything then you're probably a 10 I mean Kardashians yeah. famous for nothing that don't make no sense but it's it's important for people to understand that those that do wear a badge do that type of work they are humans they are doing the best that they can with what they've got and no, oh. oh, we're good. Oh. All of a sudden, you're a sound engineer and technician. Yeah, yeah. trying to can't make no beats on here though. Um, Bar moved. <laughs> but it's important for people to hear that you're a human being. You have a family. You have yeah. people that you love that you care about. You came from such an interesting background. Like I'm not going to sit here and say it's bad or good or anything. It's interesting. It's very, mm -hmm. very interesting because we. I think all of us have someone that we know that has a similar background and they might be on a different journey today. So it's, mm -hmm. it's important for people to be able to humanize others. As much as we ask you to humanize us as a people, we should be doing the same thing because yes, there are good people out there. Like, yeah. I don't want to be like just good cop, bad cop, but just, yeah. there's good people out there. Sorry, I thought you were talking about me as a cop. <laughs> just in general, <laughs> you're looking at me like something. Yeah. So I'm a human. 
If you were to talk to anyone today, if someone were to approach you and be like, Tommy Thompson Jr., what is your advice? <laughs> what is your advice? Like how, how should I be moving in the month of October? How should I be advocating or being an ally to others? Like what, what can I do to help? What would, what would you be, what would be your advice? Um, well, definitely show support of, um, of the topic. However, that be showed. Well, we don't, we don't need more abusers. So let's not say show your support in whatever way you think you can. Let's not, let's not reinforce the the topic. Being part of the problem. (laughs) But that's that's keeping it alive. mm -hmm. We don't want to keep it alive. No. We want to let everybody know about it. Mm -hmm. It's still alive and present today. It's still happening. mm -hmm. And probably uh, take advantage of, because um, I, I didn't know about October being the month. Well, there we go. Yeah. So. Then we got at least a one person that didn't know yeah. that October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. The color is purple. So if you see mm-hmm. that around. Yeah. Wear some purple. Wear some purple. Mm-hmm. And that would be a part of it support however however that may be mm-hmm. yeah do do exactly what tommy thompson is doing right now which is just sit with your poker face kind of like yeah show support it's so stern it's so solid yeah if, if you have a voice like my wife definitely go balls out and jeez <laughs> you just... use that voice <laughs> All right, so it's a heavy topic. It's very, I think it's forcing people to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. Were you comfortable this entire time talking about this? I was getting there. You were getting there? Yeah. So you were. Well, the the uncomfortable part came from trying to figure out what I was going to say. Yeah, so I'm, we're still out here encouraging people. Not get all caught in the mouth. <laughs> so you were slightly uncomfortable. Yeah. Probably like on a scale of one from, to ten, it's probably like point. a seven. Yeah. Seven's your number. So it's a heavy topic. It's something a lot of people don't like to, you know, hear about or really get into just because it, it can be uncomfortable. But mm-hmm. it's these types of conversations that cultivate the change that brings about resolution, brings about healing, brings about growth. Because yeah. without a doubt, there's got to be somebody else that is feeling the exact same way you are. Like, what can I do? I don't have experience in this stuff. What am I going to even say? Or, But yeah. it's those people that make the world go around. The people that are able to sit and just listen and observe and just be a good ear and be supportive in that sort of way. But it is a heavy topic and we like to end every single episode with some rapid fire questions. So this shouldn't be hard for you no. because other people I've talked to, they want to explain every single answer that they're giving me. Oh, but yeah. you only have two to yay. three words. Yay or nay. Yeah, two to three words to answer these questions. We're going to go through them really, really fast. Are you ready? Yeah. How do you start your day? I wake up. <laughs> In which subject were you worst at school? Uh, history. What advice would you give to your young self? 
Oh boy. <laughs> uh, don't be an introvert. <laughs> what scares you? Uh, growing old. What's something that you do not like doing? Uh, talking in front of people. <laughs> and the very last question, we're going to make this one a good one. What's the best compliment you've ever gotten? Um, I've gotten it from you. I've gotten it from old folks and a lot of people. Uh, my smile. Aww. People like my smile. Yes. He gets it from his mama. He's got a really good smile. So we're going to go ahead and end our conversation here. And in true The I Am podcast, we end this with our guests telling them what is their I Am statement. Your I Am statement is a manifestation, an affirmation, a maybe a plug for words of encouragement to other people listening. But what is your I Am statement validating today's conversation and who you are? I am indigenous. I am resilient. Amen, sister. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs>